Hi guys, Rob here, podcast editor for EveryMind. Maybe you're a HR and you know just how important mental health support in the workplace is, but you just can't get senior buy-in. Well, this podcast is for you because Paul answers your questions on how to get senior buy-in. If you think EveryMind at Work can help your business, then head over to everymindatwork.com. If you found this episode valuable, don't forget to share with a friend and leave us a review on iTunes. Enjoy the show. I won't give you the full story because you know most people that hear last week don't want to hear it again. Um, but I'm Paul, the founder of EveryMindAtWork.com. I also share my own personal experience of mental health, whether that's in organisations or at schools or as part of charities. Um, and and my own personal experiences. I sadly lost my dad to suicide when I was 18. Didn't talk about it. Bottle it up. That's what we do in mental health, right? And and now for the last four years, I've been more vocal about it to try and tackle that stigma, which I think is so important. You know, let's try and break down those barriers that we still see today that surrounds mental health. And whether that's the work that I do with every mind at work or whether it's, as I say, you know, social media, the stuff that I put out there as much as I possibly can. I always think about my dad. Like if I can just help one person like my dad, um, you know, job done for me. So, so hopefully this is gonna be insightful and give you some knowledge to take away, but equally, hopefully you can also see it's a safe space um, for us to share, you know, I believe mental health is something that we all have and we should all openly be able to talk about it. So today's session is going to be on a subject that I've been asked a lot after the last session and during the last year or so. And that's how do you get senior buy-in for mental health and well-being? And, and equally, you know, we've got 25 people on this, this call right now, um, another one joining 26. I equally, as we go on, I want to hear your, your advice and your opinions and your insights of what you've done within your business to potentially be given a bit more budget or a bit more resources to, to sort of support your employees' mental health. Because I have conversations every single day with, with HR professionals or, or wellbeing leads or whatever it is in the organization that hold the responsibility of mental health and wellbeing. And I can honestly say that, you know, the majority of them, 99% of them have such a compassionate side and they really want to drive this forward but their biggest frustration is i do not have budget i do not have director buy-in and I, i'm limited with what i can do um equally we'll talk about it shortly the responsibility purely lies potentially on just your shoulders or just your shoulders and maybe a couple of others and that desperately needs to change as well so we're going to be sharing a couple of tips on how you can potentially get senior buy-in stuff that you know i've seen that's worked and we've seen that's worked and equally like i say some people are probably going to share their own experiences as well too but one of my biggest concerns when it comes to you know mental health in the workplace is is purely the lack of understanding for mental health within organizations so whenever i'm talking about this we approach mental health in a very simplistic way and that grates on me now right and i i approached mental health in exactly the same way it's purely from a lack of education a lack of understanding you know i didn't understand mental health because i wasn't educated on it but the simplistic approach that typically, you know, again, I'm not, I'm not saying every organization, but most organizations will take is one, a very reactive approach, a reactive approach of let's wait until employees are in crisis and then we'll do something about it. We'll direct them to our EAP or whatever it is. And then the second approach is a one size fits all approach, a simplistic approach of, come on, let's just do something. I'm sure that will make everyone improve their mental health. Um, or we've invested in mental health first aid, so surely, now mental health is going to be okay. How much more money do you want? How much more resources do you want? And this simplistic one size fits all approach that we've been sort of conditioned with has a massive impact when it comes to the workplace. Yeah, it kind of means that the responsibility is placed on the shoulders of HR. They expect immediate results. 
I'm sure you guys are probably the same. I was taught snap out of it, you know, short-term fix, you know, mental health is a weakness. So once this culture starts to exist within an organization, it becomes very difficult to actually make that change that we're trying to make. And, and actually, when we're looking at the complexity of, of mental health and, you know, myself and the team did a lot of research around this, I often joke and I say to companies, you know, you've just you've just told someone in HR that you need to own mental health, right? Staff morale is down. You need to do something about it. But they don't understand the complexity of it, right? And you're looking at here, you know, work, the individual, the individual's needs, the coping styles of that individual. We're looking at the age, the demographic of the individual. I'm sure a lot of you will agree that it's very difficult to get to a 55 year old man in the business and get them to talk about their emotions in comparison to potentially, you know, a 19 or 20 year old that grew up in a completely different generation when it comes to mental health, their personality, their gender. Their, their, their values. Then you look at job characteristics, you know, the way that they carry the workload, the control that they have within the business, role characteristics, relationships. And this is still us just scratching the surface of how complex mental health and emotions are, right? So do we, when we look at this, is implementing mental health first aiders in the business gonna manage and deal with the complexity of this? The reality and the harsh reality is no. You know, mental health first aid or an employee assistance program or whatever it is, it's just one intervention that we can use to potentially improve it as part of an overriding strategy. But when we're looking at the complexity of it, this here, just saying, let's just do this. Let's just do a talk on mental health awareness week. Are we really looking at all of these areas and how we're going to improve them? And it's why, as I say, we've taken a reactive approach of ignored it because of how complex it is. And this is where it becomes, you know, really, really difficult to kind of, you know, approach. But when we're looking at, as we say, why it's important, I, I don't need to probably preach this to you guys. This is something that we'll talk about shortly when we're looking at tactics to get senior buy-in. I'm sure maybe a lot of you have, have heard of these statistics. You know, one in four people experience mental health issues each year. 70 to 75% of people with a diagnosable mental illness receive no treatment at all. One in five people take a day off due to stress. 90% of people cited a different reason for their absence. That's the one that I talk about a lot when we address stigma. You know. How many people are confident to say to their managers or their, their boss, I am not coming in today or I'm not working today because I'm really anxious? Or do they sugarcoat it in a different reason, which as you can see from that statistic, 90% of people fear that they're gonna be judged if they openly talk about how they feel. Um, and also, you know, when you're looking at sort of the cost, and again, we'll talk about this and how we can bring this to senior buying and relate it to senior buying, but there's been a lot of research now and there's a lot of papers out there um, that showed that for every one pound invested in mental health, employers saw a return of at least five pound. And equally, the total cost of mental ill health in England is estimated at 105 billion per year. I think there was a statistic that also showed for every person within your organization, it costs um, the business 1,300 pound per year per employee if you do not focus on, on mental health. So when we're looking at these numbers, we're going to talk about this more soon. We're almost creating a commercial business case that almost gets them to see mental health in a different way. But when I'm looking at it, and I'm sure when you're looking at it, and we're looking at other statistics, if you've got men in your organization under the age of 45, do any of you just put it in the chat box? Do any of you know what the biggest threat to their lives are? So what's the biggest threat to those employees, men under 45? Does anyone know? Put it in the chat box. Mental health quiz. 
Here we go. Suicide, suicide. The biggest threat to men under 45 in the UK is suicide. Biggest killer of men under 45 in the UK is suicide. So actually, if we've got male employees under that in that age demographic, what's the biggest threat to their life? Um, and, and it's suicide. It's mental health. It's it's, it's mental illness. So again, when we're looking at this, yes, the numbers are clear for us to see from a commercial point of view, but from an emotional human element, you know, we need to protect our employees. Equally, biggest killer of young people in the UK as well is suicide. So again, the younger sort of generation. And equally, as I always say, mental health is something that we all have, right? We all have to deal with this. So why is it just that we're still focused on this small cohort of employees that might be in a crisis that might be dealing with something when in reality our whole organization has to deal with their emotions and mental health on a daily basis so what are we doing to kind of you know deal with that so today what we're going to be doing is sharing some of those tips to get that senior buy-in to make your job easier because as i say from the conversations i hear a lot of you are desperate to do more for mental health and well-being but you don't have the time you don't have the resources you don't have the budget you know, how can we potentially get that to make our job easier to help our employees? And what we're also going to do is share a, a downloadable PDF to help. So I'll give you my email at the end. And um, if you just drop me an email, I'll send you this two page PDF that looks at the business case that what we've found is a really good way of sort of forwarding that onto your directors to get them to see mental health in a very different way as well. So what I'm going to do, like I did last week, is I've mixed it up a little bit. You'll now see a question. What's your favorite food? So I'm just going to make everyone hungry. It's past lunchtime. So I'm sure these choices might change, but just type in what's your favorite food. I'm going to probably put mine in as well. Steak for me, ice cream, chocolate, pizza, we're very healthy, aren't we, guys? We're all very healthy. Steak is now taking the lead. Chocolate, so steak and chocolate are the most popular, which is, again, you know, very, very healthy choices. Um, we've got cake, depends on what cake, right? We've got cheese, we've got Thai red curry. Oh, that's nice. Lasagna, Italian, salad, ice cream, chili, pizza, tapas, sushi, pasta. Um, tie as well. So ties, ties in there. So that's just an example of breaking the ice and just showing you how the, the software works. So the next question I want to ask you, and again, it should now show up on your screen, is personally on a scale of one to five, how do you feel right now? So kind of today in this moment, how do you feel? One being that it's probably, you know, not a very good day. And then obviously five being that's the best day that, that you've had for a while. Okay, so I think this question is always really important. And I think I mentioned this last time is how often do we check in with ourselves? You know, getting to know your role a little bit more. Um, you know, I'm sure you're checking in with a lot of your employees, but how often do you check in with yourself? And equally, you know, we're not almost educated and conditioned to check in on ourselves and to, to prioritize our mental health. So this question is always a way of just getting you to check in on yourselves a little bit. Like, how do I feel right now? You know, and, and then also, as I say, at the end of this, we're going to hopefully try and get you from a two to a three or a three to a four or four to a five as well. Um, but hopefully as well, you know, as you can see there, there's some people that are really struggling right now. And if that's you, that you've put a number two there or you've put a number one, um, definitely, hopefully you can see you're definitely not alone because of these answers. You're not the only one you know, that's kind of stated that. But equally, 
that one can turn into a two or a three or a four or a five. If you, you keep going, you, you focus on yourself, you prioritize your mental health and, and you just know that kind of holding on to hope will help. Like I learned that one thing from my dad's experience, like, you know, losing my dad was, was something that was completely out of the blue when it comes to his suicide. But speaking to loads of people that have been in that crisis situation and I've been there myself, they say hope is the most important thing. Like if you can hold on to that hope, you don't know what's going to be coming around the corner, right? And I used to love this. They broke down hope as hold on, pain ends. And, and I think that's what we have to kind of focus on when it comes to mental health is if you're, if you're struggling right now and you've said a two or you've said a one, hold on because it can change. And trust me, I've, I've been there myself as well. A little less of a, a, a deep question, just a question that we typically always ask other people. What do you do? What's your current job title? So just type in what your current job title is. And again, if the words go bigger, it's because it's more popular. Okay. So we've got HR managers here. We've got event manager. We've got head of HR, HR generalists. We've got HR advisors, HR officers. We've got a CEO, we've got a people and culture advisor. We've got a health and wellbeing officer. Nice. So by the looks of it, we've got a couple of people here where your pure, I'm guessing, responsibility is, as you say, health and well-being or people and culture. And then we've got other people here that are more of like generalist roles where you'll be sort of trying to do and juggle a lot more. And obviously, I'm guessing mental health and well-being is just one part of that. We've got a CEO who, again, you know, potentially is juggling a lot as well, as, as well as trying to grow the business, um, head of development, head of HR. So there's a real mix in this group already. So it's kind of good to see. Um, and that's purely just to kind of see what, 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 what your job titles currently are at the moment. Now I want to find out how have you been tasked? So have you been tasked to improve mental health or wellbeing within your organization? So yes, no, or not formally, but I'm driving it. So what I mean by this as within your business, are you tasked to improve mental health and wellbeing within your organization? It's interesting. Okay. That is interesting. So we've got 10 have said yes, we've got three that have said no, and six have said not formally, but I'm driving it. And you know, whenever I've asked this question in the past, that, that question is, that, that answer, sorry, is normally quite common. You know, it's typically maybe you're passionate about it, or typically you've had your own personal experience, or you can see the importance in it, or you've had an experience at work trying to support someone and you feel like the business could potentially do a bit more and you feel empowered to drive it, right? You feel empowered to drive mental health within the organization, but still, are you kind of hitting your head against a brick wall? Are you kind of running into barriers that stop you from being able to kind of achieve and drive it as you want to? Um, and then equally, as you say, if you've been tasked with improving it, it's, is this just, as I say, a part of your day-to-day -day role that you're focusing on all the time, or is it just one part of the day-to-day -day role as well? And on that question, do you feel you have full support from your directors, from sort of your senior leaders in the business to give you the resources you need to improve mental health and well-being? So do you feel like you have that full support? Do you feel like it could be better? Or do you feel like they expect a lot with no support at all? And again, I remind you, this is anonymous. We cannot track your answers unless your director is stood behind you and looking at your phone. Um, this is anonymous. Okay. 
So sometimes it could be better is obviously the most popular answer. As you can see, um, no, they expect a lot with no support. Again, a very common answer that I hear a lot, a common frustration and challenge of I'm being tasked with improving it. I'm being told I need to do more, but I do not have the resources. I do not have the time. And they expect me to just clip my fingers, wave a magic wand and everything becomes better. I mean, it's that challenge of how do I support all of my employees whilst still at the same time, making sure I check in on myself and support myself as well. Um, and then we've got a couple of people said they're really supportive as well. So there's definitely during the pandemic been a real shift I've seen in companies taking more action when it comes to mental health, you know, and that kind of shift into remote working has almost accelerated that as well. But equally by the looks of this and, and from you guys here, there's definitely some more that can be done to kind of get you that senior buy-in, which is on why I'm guessing you're, you're kind of here today. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna come back to the slides. I'm gonna share with you a couple of tips that you can take away. Um, and then I want to kind of find out some of your own insights and anything that you want to share as well. So getting senior buy-in for mental health, it's very difficult, but it's not impossible. Um, and when I say it's very difficult, again, you're kind of looking at a, there's no one size fits all approach here. You know, we're dealing with individuals that we have to almost motivate and educate in different ways. But if we kind of come at it from a different angle, you know, as I say, it's difficult, but it's definitely not impossible. Now, one thing I want to just clear up before I talk about this my purpose is to try and improve mental health. And as I've said, if I can do a talk, if I can do a session like this, or if I can, whatever it is, you know, as long as I help one person, I'm happy. And however cheesy that sounds, and I never thought I would say that, that is the reality because I've got this fire inside my belly that comes from my own personal experience. However, if that means that for us to get into an organization or for us to get some more resources and budget to do what we feel is, is needed, and we have to approach it and sell it in a different way, I don't want you to feel uncomfortable about that because you know your intent is as i say probably to help employees to make your job easier so if we have to approach mental health in a less human way but in a way to kind of almost as i say get that buy-in and get the senior director to say mm, that kind of makes sense yeah maybe we'll invest a bit more money there then it's okay to do so and, and here's what can help and we'll break these down a little bit more but typically what we've found from you know the, the companies that we work with and just in general data is really important like they will want to know figures so okay we spent this money on mental health first aiders how many people are utilizing that okay we spent money last mental health awareness week on this what was the kind of results like they're always looking for data um engagement surveys you know how do we know that mental health is an issue or again when we're looking at data it's almost in a way and, and we'll explain this in a minute proving to them that it isn't and we have this natural association that it's this small cohort of people that we know are struggling oh i know it's only four or five people like they're the ones that have, have flagged it up that have said that they're struggling so why are we going to invest this money if there's only a couple of people that are struggling with it so if we've got data that backs up that actually hold on it's our top performers it's the people that are really sort of you know that we don't expect in the business that are struggling and we can show them that there's been a sort of increase in the need for mental health support then it definitely creates a, a better and stronger argument for them to obviously, you know, look to invest. It's about making that business case. As we've said, looking at some of the figures around, is it going to create return on investment? And at the same time, it's starting small, demonstrating the benefits, reinvesting and moving on from there. And just as a, a kind of case study there, we obviously, as a business, we create partnerships with companies. We, you know, have an app, we have data, we have a dashboard, we do 
well-being sessions, resilience training. You know, we do the we do the lot. We support um, companies with their communications throughout the year, engagement for mental health and strategy. So as a partner, we do a lot. But what we've typically found is for us to sometimes get into companies, I will come in and I'll do a webinar. So I'll do a webinar. It's an hour long. It's not a lot of investment for the business. And it's just, a, OK, let's try this one hour session. And as part of that one hour session, you know, then what happens is it creates this conversation because potentially it's personal experience because we use Menti and we get some data as well. Then all of a sudden it creates almost, OK, that did well. What else can we do? What else can we do? What else can we do? So in a way, it's not walking into the office and saying, hey, or, or jumping on the Zoom and saying, hey, we need all of this money for this whole strategy. It could be, hey, let's just try this. Let's start small, demonstrate the benefits, ask for more and continue to evolve. And typically with businesses, that's what I've seen to be, to be important. Um, and tracking return on investment and understanding where to make the investments is key. And obviously that's something that we really focus on. One of the things that I've discovered is, you know, businesses will just guess, do we spend money on mental health first aid? We want to do a lunch and learn. What topic should we do it on? I know, let's do it on resilience. Like, do your employees even want that? Are we just throwing money away, not understanding the areas where our employees need support? So again, if you've got enough data and if you can highlight the areas where they need that support, that's key. And again, that's what we kind of focus on. It's as you can kind of see here, showing companies that employees are self-critical, employees feel overwhelmed by work, employees feel unbalanced in some areas of life or lack connection to their community. So if we're looking at employees are very self-critical, then what sessions, what advice, what communications can we create that targets that specific area? So we're not guessing like Googling, what can I send out for Mental Health Awareness Week? We know the key challenges that our employees face. So when we have a budget, we can invest it wisely. We can get better results. And again, it's taking the guesswork out of it. And when we're approaching it like this to get senior buy-in, it makes more sense from a business and commercial perspective. And also that 12 to 24 month strategy rather than just asking for more products, right? So again, building a strategy, presenting a strategy, saying this is our, this is our you know, expected result over the next 12 to 24 months, rather than can I have money for this? Can I have money for this? Can I have money for this? I don't know why I keep skipping around. Um, and then them consistently paying you out some more money. So really that strategy, like I say, is, is something that if you do need more support on that, I'm happy to kind of walk you through this on a separate session. I kind of want to just open up the floor in a minute to get some advice from you guys. But our strategy is focused predominantly on the promote, provide, protect stage. So how can we eradicate stigma in the organization? What can we do? Can we create champions? Can we really tap into personal experience to almost change the conversation within the business? When it comes to the promote stage, what tools can we provide to employees to help them react and manage stress and manage their mental health better? So in that sense, you know, what tools are as a business are we providing to our employees? And then equally, when it comes to protect, if someone is really in crisis as a business, do we have something in place to protect them? And as I've said on many calls before, businesses have just focused purely on protect. We have an employee assistance program. We have mental health first aiders. And what we're trying to advise you guys to do in terms of strategy is flip it, look at promote, look at provide, look at proactive strategies, not be reactive, create a 12 to 24 month strategy of how are you going to actually make an impact. 
And if you guys do want some more information on that, I'm not going to sort of talk too much on it um, in this session. But if you want me to dive into that deeper, just drop me an email. Just drop me an email now or after this session, work.com, and I'll tailor that strategy to you. So it's kind of approaching it in a completely different way when we're trying to get that senior buy-in. And equally, if you do email me now, what I'll do is I'll also send you this PDF. Um, this is a PDF that really kind of highlights a lot of the business case that can, again, help us get that senior buy-in. So we're looking at the kind of cost per, for businesses. We're looking at the potential, you know, reasons why people are off sick, you know, as you can kind of see from that small graph there on the left-hand side mental and um, behavioral ill health as um, as supplied by the NHS was the number one reason why people were not able to go to work um, last year. You're then also looking at the kind of legal risk of if you do not take a proactive approach to mental health, you know, and, and again, we've got sort of Alyssa Firstfield there that we've done some sessions with before that kind of shares her opinions on it as well. As a business, if we are not looking at employees' duty of care, again, there's potential um, mitigation of risk that we need to look at as a business too and again there's more here in this um, pdf so if you want this again just drop me an email happy to jump on a, a call with you to go through this in a lot more detail um, and also give you that pdf so you should see this question here now um, what is preventing you from having the well-being offering you like to offer for your employees this is free text i know you've only got 25 characters just write in there what is preventing you from having the well-being offering you'd like for your employees so what is the biggest barrier for you almost, as I say, letting loose and kind of just wanting to improve employee mental health and well-being? Okay. So different answers, but all pretty much the same, right? We're looking at budget. We're looking at money. We're looking at time, resources and time. Um, money and resources not seeing an issue now, engagement. That not seeing an issue now is a really, really interesting one as well, because again, it's that reactive approach to mental health that we've been conditioned to do. And it's the same way that we manage our own mental health, right? So I don't need to do anything about my mental health at the moment because I feel okay. The only reason I will do something about my mental health is if I, there's an issue now, like if I am in that crisis situation now. And there's been many occasions as a, as with businesses that they'll ignore it. It's a nice to have, if that makes sense. So yeah, it's nice to have, we'll have that, we'll try that. But when it becomes an issue and sadly, and this is my personal experience. So, you know, sadly it becomes an issue because there's an employee in an extremely crisis situation or potentially an employee that has taken their own life. Now it's like, okay, we need to do something about it. And, and, you know, for me, it's how many more lives do we need to lose before we see it as a priority right now in this moment? Because um, that, that, as I say, it's been a nice to have. It's not a priority because no one's really talking much about how they're struggling. So we're not going to do anything about it until we need to. And, and it's, again, changing the conversation around why we're almost trying to put this proactive approach in place now to prevent people from getting into that situation. Because as a business and as human beings, we do not want to deal with that situation. Tracy says, the fear of hearing something uncomfortable now is surpassed by how uncomfortable it could be when it has escalated in urgency. Tracy, I love that. That's a quote that you could put, you could put out there, Tracy. I think that's a really good way of putting it, you know, because it's... Are we going to open up a can of worms, right? But equally, what's the impact if you don't do anything about it? Um, next question, what gaps have you identified 
within your current well-being provision. So what gaps do you believe there is? Hopefully you can see that answer on your screen as well. You should be able to, yeah. So on your phone, what gaps have you identified within your current well-being provision? So what do you think that there is that you need to improve upon? Just type it in there. Okay, so we've got it's very reactive. We've got lack of understanding. It seems to be maybe a struggle for people as well to kind of know what is lacking. And, and again, you know, when you're looking at mental health and well-being, as I said, there's a lack of education and understanding around it that sometimes we don't know what our business or our employees need. So we do kind of struggle to know what are we lacking. But we've got lack of training. We've got lack of understanding. We've got time for people to engage. We've got language used by managers. Too heavily resource-based. It's reactive. Uh, productivity is a priority, lack of promotion, training but no follow-up, I like that one, time for wellness, okay, support for leaders, so there's, there's a few that you've obviously identified fear to enter this space, I'm sure some of you can potentially relate to that as well, that's the whole um, can of worms one that I've heard many times. But yeah, looking at that, I mean, there's a couple that kind of stand out to me. You know, the reactive one is, is one that jumps out automatically because, as I say, companies are very reactive. When you say to them, you know, what do you do for employee mental health? We do a lot. You know, we've got an employee assistance program. We've got mental health first aiders. And as, as Tracy was sort of saying earlier, but why have you got them? And they can't give you that answer. So, you know, it is very reactive. We've got products in the business in case something goes wrong but there isn't a wire strategy behind a more proactive approach too. I also, what stood out to me was training, but no follow-up. Um, when it comes to mental health training, and again, even if we're looking at mental health first aid and we won't go into it, you know, it's a two-day course and you walk away with a booklet. Um, you know, it's, it's a good course, it's a good accreditation, but equally companies then saying, hey, go and speak to Zoe, she's a mental health first aider um, after doing a two-day course in a booklet with no support for Zoe is, is very, I think, very dangerous, right? It's very, it's a hard way of, of improving mental health within the business. And, and for a lot of companies, you know, mental health first aid could have been a scapegoat for the last couple of years to say that they've been doing something, but dramatically that needs to change. And I think with training, but no follow-up, one thing that we always do with our resilience training or senior management training or whatever training we deliver as a partner, um, we'll always do a six week follow-up session. And, and the, the reason of that is, is let's see how they're getting on six weeks later. Let's see if they've had any conversations and what were the outcomes and what were the challenges and let's see if they're supported and embedded into the business. Um, and another thing that we do with champions, which is a really good way of sort of tackling stigma. Champions and mental health first aiders is we provide like monthly, um, you know, check-ins with those champions and mental health first aiders. So monthly Zoom calls that we host and we kind of just, you know, make sure they're okay and ask them questions and see how they're getting on and, and make sure they're supported because these people in your business are doing a lot of the driving of mental health, but they're, they're not really supported. So there's lots there, like language used by managers is another one that sort of stands out to me too, but um, they all look very different as well. It all looks like you've got a different sort of um, issue that you're trying to improve within your organization. The last question, guys, and then I'll go to a Q&A. Um, so if you've got any questions, then do shout. But in your opinion, does an employee assistance program provide all of the well-being support within your company's needs? So you might not even have an employee assistance program, but if you do, do you believe an employee assistance program covers all of your well-being support and company needs? 
So again, it's it's really good to see awareness increasing and at the same time us moving the conversation into a more proactive way. So as we say, promote, provide, protect. What are we doing to eradicate stigma? What are we doing to equip our employees with the right tools to manage their own mental health? And then equally, what are we doing to protect them if they are in that crisis situation? So if we can create a holistic overall strategy that's tailored to every business, every industry, every, you know, employees who are very different, as I've said, you know, again, we can start to get results a lot, you know, longer term, but I'm sure a lot of you will agree with this, you know, maybe two or three years ago or potentially a year ago even now and they say well we've got an EAP so we are doing something for our employees mental health you know that that doesn't cut it for me anymore like just saying we have an employee assistance program doesn't doesn't cut it and that doesn't um mean that they're they're a bad intervention you know that there is a good intervention as part of an overriding strategy but if all you've got is an employee assistance program that you just direct people to when you're in crisis you're really kind of missing out there and i'm sure you know the stats around the engagement rates of employee assistance programs and um potentially you know they sound good on paper but what is the quality of the counseling what is the quality of the therapy that we're signposting our employees to as well i um, mean employee assistance programs are definitely as i say stepping up their their offerings but i believe as we kind of always highlight it could sit within the protect stage alongside potentially some mental health first aiders but equally, we need to make sure we're promoting, we're providing and creating a strategy that's more holistic as well. Um, Jane says, sorry, my mic isn't functional again today. EAP doesn't give us the information we need to then further support the employees. Exactly. It's typically, again, you know, ours is an app. We'll give you data real time whenever you want them, signups, you know, monthly, whatever you want. You know, typically we're there every sort of day that you want us. Um, some people want us more than others with an employee assistance program. In my experience, you know, you might hear from them 11 and a half months later when when you've got a renew so it's about as you say trying to use these tools to to provide enough support for your employees and potentially an eap sits within a strategy but i don't believe an eap is just the one thing that you guys can obviously offer um last question for you is how do you manage your own mental health um so how do you manage your own mental health and, and you might change this from the last session just have a little think about how do you manage your own mental health Again, I love using this question because I always get ideas of what I can do. And hopefully you can get some ideas of what you can do as well. So just on your phone, just write in what helps your own mental health. Yoga, getting off the internet, especially this Zoom call. I'm sure you're desperate to get off this Zoom call. Reflecting, I love that one. Reflecting, therapy, big advocate of therapy myself, even though I would never have said that. Running, love a bit of running. It's okay not to be okay. I love that. A constant reminder of if I'm feeling rubbish, it's okay. Like tomorrow could be a better day. Um, not beating yourself up, I guess. Not judging yourself for, for having those, those bad days. Buddy check in every week. I like that one. Just making time. Really like that one. Limit social media, daily walks. Making cards. Nice. Boundaries. Not being on my own. Talking to friends. EFT tapping, nice. Cool. So again, when we're looking at this, you know, exercise, running, therapy, and talking are the most popular ones. But at the same time, we're looking at the differences here. And this is again when we're looking at a holistic strat strategic approach as a business. You know, there's only how many people on this session? 26 people. You've got people answering these questions. There's no just one answer. It's not just free fruit at lunchtime makes me happy and makes me manage my mental health. 
So again, when we're looking at that sort of strategy and just from this small test group, you can see how individual mental health is and how different coping strategies help different people. And, you know, there is no one size fits all approach. We have to take this into our overriding strategy too. You know, we have to try and offer more than just one solution, because again, as you can kind of see how individual it is as well. But guys, I really appreciate you taking the time out today to, to join the session. Hopefully it's been valuable. Like I said, if you do drop me an email, I'll also send you that PDF. If you just want that PDF, I know you're busy, then just say, just, I don't want to call with you, Paul. You bore me enough on these Wednesday sessions. Um, I just want a PDF. Um, feel free to do that. Just drop me an email, paul at everymindatwork.com. I'll put it in the chat box. And if you do have any other questions, then just shout. But the last thing I would say is definitely head off for a break, as Hina has just said. Head off for a five minute break, 10 minute break, go do some yoga, walk in, talk into your friends, meditation, whatever it was that you put in that last slide. Just go spend five minutes for yourself. You know, we'll finish up a little bit earlier and make sure you're focusing on yourself because it's very easy to neglect ourselves, right? But yeah, guys, thank you so much for this session and I'll see you all hopefully next week at the same time. Enjoy the rest of your day.